Welcome to the October 26, 2023 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we'll discuss the findings from a Phase two study of lenalidomide plus rituximab in elderly frail patients with DLBCL. Learn more about platelet GP6-mediated neutrophil recruitment in early stages of acute lung injury and discuss a newly identified isoform of the tyrosine kinase axle, termed axel 3 in mantle cell lymphoma. We first examined data in the blood article entitled lenalidomide plus rituximab for the initial treatment of elderly frail patients with DLBCL, the phil Riri Phase II study, by Guido Gini from the Clinica di Imatologia, Università Politecnica del Marche, Ospitali Rioniti Ancona in Ancona, Italy, and colleagues. Diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, or DLBCL, is the most common type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma, representing approximately 35 to 40 percent of all lymphoma cases. DLBCL is associated with an aggressive disease course and poor outcomes. Recently, the introduction of anti-CD20 monoclonal antibody rituximab to anthracycline-containing regimens has significantly improved the outcomes of patients with DLBCL. Despite these advances, the outcomes of elderly patients remain poor due to their various comorbidities and limited treatment tolerance. This is particularly true for elderly patients deemed frail using standard geriatric assessment tools. These issues have limited or excluded the elderly population from practice-changing clinical trials, preventing them from receiving new therapeutic approaches. The purpose of the Phil Riri trial, conducted by the Fondazione Italiana Linformi, was to study the activity and safety of lenalidomide rituximab combination in a population of elderly DLBCL patients with a frail profile at geriatric assessment. The multicenter single arm phase two trial enrolled 68 patients aged 70 years or older with an ECOG performance status of three or less and a frail profile at geriatric assessment. 65 patients were deemed eligible for the study treatment and received a maximum of six 28-day cycles of 20 milligrams oral lenalidomide on days 2 to 22 and intravenous rituximab, 375 milligrams per meter squared on day 1. The response was assessed after cycles 4 and 6. Patients in partial or complete response at cycle 6 were given lenalidomide 10 mg per day on days 1 to 21 for a total of 12 cycles until progression or unacceptable toxicity. All patients were followed for one year. Assessments included complete physical examination, vital signs and ECOG PS measurements, hematological and blood chemistry tests, CT scan, and frailty status. The primary endpoint was the overall response rate by CT scan. Secondary endpoints included complete response rate, progression-free survival, overall survival, duration of response, dropout rate, and rate of treatment discontinuation. At the end of induction, 18 patients, or 27.7%, achieved a complete response, 
and 15 were in partial response, for an ORR of 50.8%. The dropout rate during induction was 43.1%. In half of the patients, treatment was discontinued due to toxicity. Following induction, 31 patients received lenalidomide maintenance for a maximum duration of 12 cycles. At restaging after maintenance, 35.5% of patients were in complete response and 19.3% were in partial response. At a median follow-up of 24 months, the median progression-free survival was 14 months and the two-year duration of response was 64.6%. The two-year overall survival was 48.2%, and the median overall survival was 23.2 months. Overall, 32 patients died, with the main cause of death being lymphoma progression. Grade 3 or greater neutropenia and grade 3 or greater infections were reported in 46% and 10% of patients, respectively. 52.3% of patients experienced at least one grade 3 or greater extra hematological toxicity. The authors concluded that lenalidomide plus rituximab combination shows activity in a significant proportion of studied patients and points to the need for additional investigation of a chemotherapy-free approach in elderly frail patients with DLBCL. An innovative aspect of this study was the use of geriatric assessment to assess which patients may be ineligible to receive anthracycline-containing regimens. This approach was based on previous studies, indicating that elderly frail patients with DLBCL have poor outcomes, even when treated with reduced doses of anthracyclines. Interestingly, a previous study by Fondazione Italiana Linformi investigated the combination of rituximab and bendamustine as initial therapy in elderly frail patients with DLBCL and found the combination to have an ORR of 62%, a complete response rate of 53%, a two-year progression-free survival of 38%, and a two-year overall survival of 51%. Even though higher response rates were observed with the rituximab-bendamustine combination, the overall efficacy of the two regimens was viewed as similar. The advantage of the current approach is that it does not include cytotoxic agents. Next up, we'll discuss the findings from the blood article entitled a key role for platelet GP6 in neutrophil recruitment, migration, and netosis in the early stages of acute lung injury by Philip Burkhard from the University Hospital Würzburg in Würzburg, Germany, and colleagues. Acute lung injury is an inflammatory syndrome of the lung that critically compromises lung function. Acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS, is a life-threatening form of acute lung injury caused by bacterial infection and characterized by an abrupt onset of respiratory distress, edema, and severe hypoxemia. ARDS-associated inflammation leads to the breakdown of the endothelial barrier and immune-mediated injury of lung tissue. The main driver of this process is the influx of activated neutrophils at sites of inflammation, which leads to the release of cytokines, reactive oxygen species, and neutrophil extracellular traps, or NETs, further promoting the inflammatory process. While the molecular mechanisms involved in neutrophil recruitment and activation are largely understood, the role of neutrophil crosstalk with other cells 
including platelets, remains elusive. Platelets are central mediators of inflammatory processes and play a role in immune cell recruitment and activation. Research to date has found that neutrophil recruitment and activation are highly platelet-dependent and that the formation of platelet neutrophil complexes aggravates pulmonary tissue damage. Researchers hypothesize that interfering with this crosstalk could potentially reduce pulmonary inflammation. Glycoprotein 6, or GP6, is a platelet-specific receptor for collagen and fibrin that mediates platelet activation and thrombus formation. Although the role of platelet GP6 in thromboinflammation has not been investigated, prior studies have found that targeting GP6 provides strong antithrombotic protection. In the current study, the authors explored the role of platelet GP6 in the early recruitment of neutrophils during acute lung injury using models with either genetic deletion or therapeutic inhibition of GP6. Experiments were conducted using 8- to 12-week-old GP6-deficient and wild-type mice. Acute alveolar inflammation was induced using intranasally delivered lipopolysaccharide. Blood differential cell count was performed from blood collected via the retroorbital venous plexus. The findings revealed that lipopolysaccharide-induced pulmonary inflammation and neutrophil infiltration are significantly reduced in GP6-deficient compared to wild-type mice. Moreover, GP6-deficient animals were in significantly better overall shape than wild-type mice after lipopolysaccharide treatment and had a less severe reduction in activity and breathing rate. Next, the authors tested whether pharmacological targeting of GP6 reduces pulmonary inflammation in acute lung injury. In line with the previous findings, they found that anti-GP6-treated mice developed less pronounced hypothermia and had a significantly smaller increase in blood lactate levels in response to polysaccharide treatment compared to controls. In contrast, GP6-deficient, as well as anti-GP6-treated wild-type mice, were significantly protected from pulmonary and systemic injury and did not present with increased pulmonary bleeding. Following, the authors investigated the mechanisms by which GP6 facilitates pulmonary inflammation using imaging techniques, high-resolution microscopy of lung sections, and intravital confocal microscopy of the ventilated lung, revealed that anti-GP6 treatment led to reduced platelet neutrophil complex formation and less stable platelet interaction with neutrophils. Anti-GP6 treatment also decreased neutrophil adhesion on endothelial cells and reduced the formation of alveolar infiltrates. Interestingly, neutrophil activation was also diminished in anti-GP6-treated animals, coupled with reduced formation of platelet neutrophil clusters and neutrophil extracellular traps, compared to controls. The authors concluded that their findings established GP6 as a key mediator of neutrophil recruitment, platelet neutrophil complex formation, and production of neutrophil extracellular traps in an experimental model of acute lung injury. In an accompanying commentary, Robert Campbell from the University of Utah highlights the main findings from the work of Burkhard and collaborators, namely that GP6 blockade reduces neutrophil influx, dampens pro-inflammatory cytokine levels, and preserves alveolar capillary barrier function, 
each of which contribute to the development of acute lung injury and acute respiratory distress syndrome. Moreover, their findings demonstrate reduced formation of platelet neutrophil complexes in the absence of GP6 activation and indicate that platelets play an important role in regulating these processes. Campbell notes that if anti-GP6 therapies are to be used in the future to improve the outcomes of patients with pulmonary thromboinflammation, the severity of the insult-inducing acute lung injury must be considered. Namely, prior studies have shown that GP6 has an important role in preserving vascular integrity and preventing inflammation-induced bleeding. Other studies have shown that platelets play significant roles in the resolution of inflammation and that platelet-dependent recruitment of regulatory T-cells is important for macrophage reprogramming and the establishment of an anti-inflammatory phenotype. Therefore, Campbell cautions that inhibiting GP6 later in the disease course could have an adverse effect and exacerbate acute lung injury instead of improving it. He concludes that additional work is needed to completely understand the role of platelet activation mediated by GP6 and its relationship with disease progression. In the final part of today's podcast, we will review an article in Blood entitled Inhibition of a New Axle Isoform, Axle 3, Induces Apoptosis of Mantle Cell Lymphoma Cells by Pascal Gerbart from the University of Bergen in Bergen, Norway, and colleagues. Mantle cell lymphoma is an aggressive type of B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma with poor overall survival. It represents approximately 5 to 7% of all non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cases. The management of mantle cell lymphoma remains a challenge because most patients relapse after conventional chemotherapy. Recently explored approaches, which have shown promise in high-risk mantle cell lymphoma, include brutin tyrosine kinase inhibitors such as ibrutinib or pirtobrutinib, the BCL2 inhibitor venetoclax, CD19-directed CAR T-cells, and CD20-targeting bispecific antibodies, or antibody drug conjugates. While these approaches have significantly increased response rates, they remain non-curative, so there remains a need for new and more effective treatments. Axel is a member of the Tyro-3, Axel, Mer, or TAM, receptor tyrosine kinase family. Except for lymphoid tissues, Axel is ubiquitously expressed in other human tissues. The primary ligand and activator of Axel is the vitamin K-dependent protein Growth Arrest Specific Protein 6, or GAS-6. Axel expression has been associated with poor outcomes in patients with AML and has been identified as a driver of therapeutic resistance in several types of cancer. Axel expression has also been associated with epithelial to mesenchymal transition in breast cancer and non-small cell lung cancer. Although the role of axle expression has already been investigated in most hematological malignancies, its role in mantle cell lymphoma remains elusive. The goal of the current study was to explore whether axle could be used as a therapeutic target in mantle cell lymphoma. To answer this question, the authors conducted a series of experiments in mantle cell lymphoma cell lines, patient samples, and an MCL mouse xenograft model. They first examined the expression of axol in mantle cell lymphoma cell lines and primary MCL patient samples, 
and found a high expression of a previously unknown splice variant isoform of Axel called Axel-3. They further found that Axel-3 lacks the ligand-binding domain of the previously described Axel splice variants and that it is constitutively activated independently of gas-6. Functional characterization of Axel-3 using CRISPR interference revealed that only a knockdown of this isoform induces apoptosis in mantle cell lymphoma cells. Next, the authors exposed MCL cell lines and primary patient samples to the Axel inhibitor bemcentinib. Exposure to bemcentinib caused significant inhibition of cell growth, cell cycle arrest, and apoptosis of mantle cells, as well as a decrease of AKT and NF-kappa-B activation across experiments. Finally, the authors conducted in vivo experiments in a xenograft mouse model of MCL. These experiments confirmed in vitro studies, showing that bemcentinib slowed down tumor growth and prolonged overall survival in treated animals compared to untreated controls. Importantly, tumor control and overall survival were significantly improved with bemcentinib compared to ibrutinib, and combination treatment with both agents yielded the longest overall survival. Taken together, this study highlights the importance of a previously unknown axle splice variant in cancer and the therapeutic potential of bemcentinib in mantle cell lymphoma. In an accompanying commentary, Paul Brockelmann, from the University of Cologne in Cologne, Germany, notes that the study by Gelbert and colleagues identifies a new third isoform splice variant of Axol that is overexpressed and important for tumor cell survival in mantle cell lymphoma. Although this study suggests a mechanistic role for Axel-3 in activating the AKT and NF-kappa-B pathways, Brockelmann notes that the role of Axel-3 in lymphoma genesis remains unclear. Moreover, studies in a larger cohort of mental cell lymphoma patients are needed to confirm the expression of Axel-3, especially in patients with nodal mantle cell lymphoma. Brockelmann hypothesizes that Axel-3 expression could also generate an immunosuppressive tumor immune microenvironment, either by upregulation of PD-L1 expression or by distinct cytokine secretion. Gaining a better understanding of the association between Axel-3 expression and tumor microenvironment composition could help inform future Axel-3 targeting combination strategies. He concludes that Axel-3 targeting holds promise in other tumors beyond mental cell lymphoma, since Axel overexpression is found in other solid and hematologic malignancies. Direct targeting of the Axel-3 isoform by protein degradation using a proteolysis-targeting chimera molecule may be a viable strategy since it could avoid toxicities associated with pan-axle inhibition. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening.